I think we're good. We're good? I think so. I hope so. Welcome <laughs> to What the Hell? Yes. Welcome to episode nine. I know we say it every time, but I'm like, oh my God, we're here. It's crazy. Nine of nine. Oh, the only association I was going to say is like a cat of nine lives, and I don't care right. about cats, so we're not yeah. going to go with or, that. Or like half of a golf course, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Like sure. we're playing nine holes. Yeah. We're par for the course. But by 18, we will not be done. So. Accurate. <laughs> this is not serialized. Somebody <laughs> asked me that. They were like, are you doing seasons? It was like. No, no, we're doing forever. <laughs> what what would it be called? You know how like blogging became vlogging? Yes. And like if we were going to do a vlog idea for podcasting, what would that be called? Pogging? <laughs> like where you just see us while we're podcasting? Well, you don't see you here, oh, but you're just sure. like whatever oh, I'm doing, I'm just like yeah, going about I whatever. Pogging. What? Pogging. Pogging. But it sounds plogging. No, <laughs> pogging. But that also sounds really sexual. But pogging, wasn't that like a game we played? Yes, pogs. Pogs. Oh, the we 90s. Just bring it back. We'll call it pogging. and So fun. <laughs> uh, I loved pogs. I know. Somebody, I was pretty good at pogs. I Somebody brought that up the other day at work and I I hadn't heard that in, in like ages. 20 years. It's like, maybe, not, well, maybe 20. Yeah. You're like, not 20 years. Oh, wait, how old am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a we solid chance it's been 20 years. 20 years ago. Ew. It's fine. I know we're not <sighs> old. I say that every time on this podcast. I'm like, I know we're not old, but we're old. We're not old, but in eight days, I will be a different age. It's true. You have a birthday coming up. I do. You will join me on the side of, what, isn't 33, like is how old Jesus was when yes. he was uh, crucified? Yep, 33. So if we make it to 34, we will have outlived Jesus. Okay. Yes. I'm You're real close. You're like five months out. I'm from, real close. Yeah. yeah Here's hoping. <laughs> Here's to hoping. Yes. I've made that like reference so many times to my parents. I don't think my mom finds it amusing at so, all. Like made it to Jesus. Made age. it to 34. <laughs> like you out, you one up to Jesus. Like that, I don't yeah. think, I don't think she finds it funny. Yeah, probably not. It's kind of funny to me. <laughs> Clearly. I find it funny. <laughs> I keep calling back to it all the time. Yeah. So. Well, how has, I mean, we haven't seen each other in a few weeks, so if we yeah. want to kind of, how's your week's been? Oh, girl. Um, Where have you been? Well, I left the country. Oh, I did. I went ran to Florida. Away. I were, did. You know. I got out of town. <laughs> I got out of town. I left the country. I went on a cruise, Carnival Fun Ship, uh, with some friends, and they had a wedding all these years later. They've been married for 15 years, but never had a wedding, um, so they didn't do a vow renewal. Like, that is such an understatement. They finally had a wedding. Yeah. It was awesome. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. We had the best time just being with old friends and people, you know, their families, which to me feel like family. I've known yeah. them forever, too. So we just had the best time, and of course, I got back. And um, immediately got a cold. Yes. It's <laughs> so like, that's what you're hearing here. Yeah. Every time you do anything fun, it's like, ah, here's your punishment. For here's, being, yes. You had too much fun. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I came, I came back and I had two days, I think, and then I just was under. And it's not bad. It's just a cold. It's just yeah. a head stuff and whatever, sniffling, a little coughing. So you're welcome. <laughs> Good news is you can't get sick through... Through podcast, yeah, through podcast, you can. True. I can. <laughs> Everyone else can. I love you can. so much that I will push through. I know you're fearless. You. I have kids. You know what? 
once you have kids, it's not that I have to have kids, but it's just like they get they're real gross. They bring yeah. home a lot of stuff. So everyone else isn't as it's gross just anymore. Like, I, yeah, I'm just like bring it on. It's fine. Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. how have your two weeks been? Um, uh, we've had a rough couple weeks. We uh, there was a death in our family, and my husband's younger brother passed away. Um, so it's it's been very. Just a lot. Yeah. Just a lot. Um, shocking and it's unexpected. It's very shocking. And... Very unexpected, yes. And I don't know. Just trying to process all of that has been a lot. And I don't know. It just makes you stop and kind of you think it's never going to happen to you. Like something like that or some somebody close to you or at least I think most people think that. And it's been a couple weeks. Um, we were we went back to Missouri where my family lives and spent some time there for the funeral and everything. And so now it's just kind of been... I don't know, you have to hop right back into life and with, not just because, again, because of kids, but it's like stuff keeps moving and it's, yeah. and in a way, I think it's been good for me to just kind of, you just hop, hop back in, do the normal things. It's a little bit of a distraction, but still trying to make sure we're processing and like talking through everything and yeah. So I think that is like, what is most important is grief is, I was actually texting with Curtis about this, but I was like, grief is a sneaky bitch. Like, yeah. um, you don't know when in your day it's going to hit you and what will trigger you and what it will feel like. Because yeah. for me, at least, um, I haven't talked about this on here yet, but I just lost Gilligan, my dog, who like in the first episode were like, Brittany's a mom. I'm a dog mom. And now I feel like I'm not anymore and things like that. And, you know, he was part of my life for over 12 years and my day to day, my everything. And, um, for me at least grief shows up in a lot of different ways it Mm. shows up um as anger a lot of the time as like being more high strung than I normally would be Mm -hmm. um and almost like I don't know if being mean is the word (laughs) but being short with people in different ways and you know um, it makes it makes sense it totally makes sense but I think with everything you guys are going through and your family and your husband and you and everything you know the distractions are good but like you said you have to process yeah and if you don't process one day it does show up yeah you know it'll come out (laughs) I feel like anger I really identify with that a lot especially because it was unexpected and you know he was only 28 but it just this makes me mad and I think with all the like religious things we've kind of gone through and processed the last few years it just it doesn't help that let's put it that way it Mm -hmm. just kind of makes you go like why and like yeah you know it's just been a lot but we're we're uh just taking it day by day and not taking it lightly, but also trying to just still be okay day to day as much as we can. Yeah. As long as we're still processing and right, you know, right. And this might sound trite, but you can like move forward without moving on. You know totally. what I mean? That like makes you sense. don't have to like leave something behind yeah. or um, act like it's so far removed. I mean, this certainly is not, it's so recent, Yeah. but you can move forward and you know, work on dealing with the grief and the pain and the sadness and the anger and all these things without not honoring. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Because some people, I mean, and whatever, everybody deals with things differently, but some people try to shut things out completely and act like, you know, that the past is the past. What's done is done. We mm-hmm. just have to like forget about it and act like it never happened. And I don't think that's healthy. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do think it'll end up coming up later down the road. And you guys aren't those type of people. I really don't think that's going to yeah. be your story. But um, I think it's easy, though, to get, especially for me, I can very easily make myself busy. And so yeah. I think for us, it it's hit both of us at 
like different strange moments where you don't see it coming it's like I you almost feel bad like laughing and having fun and then realizing like we just were at a funeral yeah two weeks ago oh I totally get that like the feeling of guilt yeah from joy and things like that that's really tough Oh, it's so strange. Yeah. People, we're really, we're dynamic, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Part of me didn't even want to say anything about it, but then it's like most of the people I think that are listening to this podcast know us. And um, yeah. I mean, if you don't know us, then welcome. We're very <laughs> happy to have you. Um, not that we're not happy to have all of our amazing friends and supporters, um, but I would assume a lot of people probably heard about what happened. So I just kind of wanted to comment on it. And, you know, you hadn't talked about your yeah very devastating news as well and so it's just it's been you know what january was it was a it was a month january <laughs> was just an absolute asshole it was it was <laughs> yeah. but i think to on sort of a more positive well first i'll say what we're going to talk about today is also tough and heavy so there is that but what i wanted to say before we move on to some of that is I think for me personally, and you can comment on this too, is I actually think this podcast and the responses we're getting and the reviews we've been getting, like it's been the thing that's been keeping, not the only thing that's been keeping me going, but it's just like, it's like this little light in a very dark place right now. And it's just, yeah, it really like, I don't mean this in any light way whatsoever, but it's, it means the world to me and like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing. Yeah, it really is such a light. I, you know, we've both been dealing with really, really tough stuff in the last month. And I know, again, I, like sometimes I feel like I have to um, minimize in a certain way where I'm like, I know I lost my dog, but like. He was your family. He was my family. He was. And so in the midst of what's been going on and then you guys lost actual blood family. Yeah. And in the midst of, oh, don't cry. Don't cry. No, I've, I've... In the midst of okay. all of this, though, you're absolutely right that like it's been this funny thing where I've been dealing with really painful stuff and you've been dealing with really painful stuff. And we'll message each other and be like, did you see we got a new like somebody is <laughs> engaging with us. And yeah. like it really is. Yeah. Um, uh, it really is like a silver lining on totally. an otherwise really dark couple of months. So we really yeah. are grateful. Yeah. And it's just it's been awesome. It's yeah, it's been in a certain way terrible timing to launch this yeah. and in another way the exact right time yeah I to think so this. we've said it many times but I feel like it's <laughs> it's therapy in the sense of like Tiffany and I get to sit and catch up on life and most yeah. of the time when we sit and do these podcasts it's like you know you see like an hour product but you know we chatted for a while in the beginning and I after know. so it's like a four or five hour session of hangout time <laughs> so I love it um but thank you for the support. It's, yes. It truly is. We see you. We feel you. Thank you. So, Amen yeah. and amen. Amen and amen. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about a topic that is something I'm sure we've all heard about, been around. It's something that's important to us as something to talk about because it's something a lot of us have experienced that Tiffany are, have both experienced in different ways and that is we're going to talk about depression and the title I guess for today is why the hell are we all so depressed <laughs> and it sounds a little like maybe clickbaity or something but it's I mean it's a little bit true it's crazy yeah what's been going on and just um, what's happened in our society and just to kind of kick it off to give a sort of basis for anybody who may not be familiar with depression um, 
From the National Alliance on Mental Illness, depression is a common illness affecting more than 350 million people of all ages around the world. It's currently the number one cause of disability, and it is predicted to be the number one global burden of disease by 2030. That blows my mind. I have a quick question for you on that. Mm -hmm. It's the number one cause of disability. Does that mean in the sense that you can like claim benefits from the government and be on disability for depression? That's a good question. I actually don't know that for sure, but I would assume that if it's debilitating enough, because obviously there's different levels of severity of depression, I would assume we're like... Potentially, that could be a thing. Um, I don't know. That's actually something we get to know. I wonder, well, PTSD is obviously different from depression, but it they oftentimes go hand in hand. I wonder if you're like, for instance, a you know, military diagnosed mm-hmm. PTSD yeah. with depression and things like that. I wonder if you can could be, I mean, I would think maybe. I don't even know why I, I went straight there, but I was like, no, oh. that's a good point. It's a good <laughs> question. Um, so I kind of gave you something from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, but then the actual definition, which is hard to define because this is a mental illness that, you know, people experience in different ways, but there's also some general, um, things that a lot of people experience when they are depressed. And so Merriam-Webster defines depression as, um, a mood disorder marked especially by sadness, inactivity, difficulty in thinking and concentration, a significant increase or decrease in appetite, and time spent sleeping, feelings of dejection and hopelessness, and sometimes suicidal tendencies. Which I actually feel like that's a pretty good... That actually is pretty good. I thought it was going to be worse. (laughs) So all that said, that kind of, if you've never really been around um, depression in your life, then that kind of gives you a little general overview of what it is or definition Mm -hmm. of what it is I mean for you growing up what did were you around depression was this something that you were aware of at all well I think I definitely was around depression and we didn't call it that okay um and you know and I didn't recognize until I was much later I had family members who um definitely experienced depression were medicated and things like that which to preface everything I'm about to say I'm medicated now and Mm -hmm. proud to be Mm -hmm. um but I it's something that I think you can't understand until you experience very well yeah um unless you're just really trying to like if you're really trying to listen and hone in on like what somebody's experiencing even though you've never experienced yourself um but it's it's difficult for people to do because you can't see it yeah. It was difficult for me. Yeah. Um, I knew that there were people in my family dealing with depression and they would tell me about it. Um, and they were almost so open with the use of medication and things like that, mm-hmm. that in a certain way, which was judgy and I was immature and young and all these things, um, I almost didn't take it seriously because they were so open about oh, the medication part of it. Was this, would this have been like when you were young? Like- it would have been like teenager. Okay. okay. Teenager. Sure. Years. Okay. Um, into like young adulthood um, and just kind of being like, oh, you're so you're so depressed that like you're you know, you think everybody needs to be on Prozac or whatever mm-hmm. and just like not taking that seriously. Um, and now I'm I'm not in the same I wouldn't treat it the same way, but yeah. I am kind of like, man, if you are depressed, let's definitely treat it. Yeah. Whatever it is, not necessarily medication, but there's no shame in that either. And so I I do think, though, that there was, you know, depression can be hereditary, Mm. um, genetic, like if if your parent or, you know, a loved one is in your actual bloodline deals with it, you're much more prone to they know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is that 
like silent thing that you you cannot it's not like a broken arm yes you can't see it so again I don't think um the terminology surrounding it when I was growing up was depression if anything if anything it would be like demonic oppression yes like oh "Oh, you're so down and all like all these different things that are not even the You've best way to describe it. You've allowed too much it. sin in your life. Yes, even, you there know. must be something that you have done yeah. to welcome in this yeah. affectation. Or you need more Jesus in your life. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Did you grow up around like the terminology and or the Not at all. Like diagnosis. I, I feel like, and again, if, if it was around me, I ha- must have had no awareness of it because the term, like I'm sure we'd heard, you know, people will throw around the word like I'm so depressed or like so sure was did I hear people say that yeah but like not in an actual mental illness sort of diagnosis type of thing Mm -hmm. yeah even from the church or in the pulpit I I don't think there may have been an applied like a description of sort of people feeling that way and it would be kind of like what you're saying like it's not um I think people being sad or like a more like generic term but no I wasn't around it very much at all like I think it's only been since like being in Los Angeles like I think even in college I don't know that I realized it was something like like a clinical like I'm sure I understood that but you understand it on like a in a textbook sort of way yeah but not on like a like connecting level yeah if that makes sense yeah because that's how I certainly was I was like I know depression's a real thing but I just could not you really do I think until you've experienced it you really do see it as just like a deep sadness and it is so not that is not descriptive of yes I think it wasn't until it was very personal for me myself and what I went through which was which I'll talk about more in a little bit but I would I experienced postpartum depression but I haven't experienced like depression that I'm maybe I don't know um (laughs) but I have a significant moment of postpartum depression but it wasn't until even that that I kind of understood yeah um, thinking just thinking it was sadness or like oh somebody's just kind of down but not Mm -hmm. understanding like the real mental happenings that were happening in people's brains like just how heavy and how much of a hindrance or hindrance that's maybe not the best word but like I think it's a good like just take over your body you know oh my gosh so yeah it totally is I explain to people sometimes talking about this people who have not experienced depression that um it's almost like your brain gets a cold yeah and when it's really bad your brain has bronchitis and then when it's really bad you have pneumonia and pneumonia can kill that's a good that's a great analogy and but you can't see that it's not like your your brain doesn't cough you know your brain doesn't have like draining nasal passages which is such a disgusting thing for me to even bring up (laughs) and I'm experiencing right now yeah but it is it's like your brain just gets sick yeah and tired and worn out and um but you know there's not any shame in it, but it feels shameful because at least it felt shameful for me because everybody, not everybody, but people can have this perception that you can just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and Mm -hmm. keep going. Mm -hmm. And if you're still alive and you've experienced depression, that is exactly what you did. But did it cure you or heal you? No. Yeah. That's just like a keep on keeping on thing. But it's not helping you 
do that. Yeah. I think, it, I wonder if it's uniquely human too. They say it's not. They say that like dogs and cats mm-hmm. and things like that can experience yeah. um, depression, but those are also domesticated animals. <laughs> I wonder, yeah. you know, like if animals in the wild. Like experience Experience. That kind of wow. That's a major tangent. No, but that's but a good question. Has anybody studied fish and whether or not they get depressed? <laughs> In their little fish tanks, and we have them as, as oh, and I think about the ones in the tanks. I was thinking sure, about the ocean. Yes, yeah, it's either like the fish tank where you're so closed in, or like the ocean where I'm like that seems so overwhelming. But, if I lived uh, in the ocean, I would be quite depressed. Yeah, it's so overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> you're like both surrounded by a million things and also nothing. It's complete complete isolation. Yeah, is how it sounds. It sounds yeah. like prison. <laughs> So um, oh, it's. I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I think at this point we should probably just kind of get into it. If you're comfortable talking about, yeah. you already said you were on medication or have been yeah. on medication, so you've experienced depression. Could you maybe tell us a little about, yeah, that experience and how you realized that? Well, I am also grateful that I was around people who were open about depression in almost a flippant way mm-hmm. <laughs> because when I started experiencing it, I recognized it almost instantly. Oh, wow. Almost okay. instantly. It was a January. It was January of 2014. Mm-hmm. And I had had a few weeks where um, normal things at the time. So it was 2014, like Facebook was king. Yeah. And that's how we engaged with people. It's like how you shared funny videos and like, you know, the funniest thing on YouTube, Honey Badger and like <laughs> whatever. Oh, yeah. You would spend, you know, we would spend so much time on Facebook um, engaging even with our real life friends and not just people that we don't see anymore back then. And this is so specific, but I remember people sharing things, commenting, whatever, and me not caring at all mm. to the point of... Like about depression? No, not sharing oh, anything about depression, like sharing people, anything. Oh, sharing anything. And this okay. is how I started to realize I was experiencing depression. Okay, okay. Was the extreme apathy about um, everything around me. And I'm, again, using this as an example. Facebook is not why I was depressed or had anything to do with the depression. It was how I started noticing. It was like a symptom that you... It was a symptom that I noticed Mm -hmm. that like, this is a normal part of my life to, you know, I was young then. What was I? 27, I guess. Yeah. 26, 27. Yeah. Um, And just not wanting to be a part of my own life. Wow. Looking around and being like, why are people sharing this? Like, why does this matter? Nothing matters. Mm. Um, and for me, everybody has different experiences. But for me, when I'm really experiencing a depressive low, I fall into a place of nothing matters. Everything is meaningless. Everything ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's a very deeply profound feeling where... Um, that's not just a thought that recurs to me. It is my entire existence. Yeah. I'll keep going through my day to day. Like we're creatures of habit. We thrive on structure and all of these things. But while I'm doing anything, if I'm in a depressive low, which I would say I had one for about a year Mm -hmm. and then another for about six months. And then I actually experienced a really significant one last year for about four or five months. And, um, during those times, it's not just a thought it is your entire existence mm-hmm. for me. It was yeah. my entire existence. You go through and every single thing you're doing, you're just like, it, none of it matters. And it everything feels completely meaningless. It was January 2014 and I recognized it really quickly. Yeah. Because I had never experienced anything like it before. It wasn't apathy. Yeah. It yeah. was um, nothing. It was like the nothingness. Mm-hmm. 
because I had the wherewithal, having had family members experience depression, to talk to somebody immediately. And at the time I was married and he was my best friend and um, in that way, like very supportive in that way. And so I immediately went to him. Yeah. I remember I sat down with him on the couch and I was like, I need to talk to you. I And I said it just like this. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm depressed. I was like, I think wow. I'm experiencing depression. Which that's amazing. I feel like just to pause and say that you could even, I think that's a feat in and of itself to realize that and then go tell somebody like that's huge. And I don't disagree. I yeah. don't think that that's the norm. And I yeah. think it can take people a long time to realize it. And I, again, only think that that happened because I'd seen it in other people and mm-hmm. didn't know what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then I was like, oh, oh, this is what they're talking about. Yeah. It's happening to me. So I sat down with him and told him right away. And he was a in regards to the depression issue, amazing. He immediately was like, okay, like what's next? Um, thank you for telling me. Let, let's talk yeah. about this. Let's find you help, like whatever that looks like. And I've always been a fan of therapy. But um, at that point, it was like, you let's get you into therapy like regularly, um, which I did not seize because once again, when you're in it, mm-hmm. when you're in depression, nothing matters. Yeah. Even though I had the wherewithal to tell him, I didn't take that next step to get help right away um it wasn't until december of the same year so this was january a whole year it wasn't until december of the same year 2014 that i finally started medication yeah i went to my doctor and i had done like some therapy in there but i went to my doctor and explained to her and um she immediately put me on lexapro yeah so which in other ways like ruined my health but (laughs) mentally yeah you know, was I attribute it to saving my life in a lot of ways because I never was suicidal, but I had suicidal ideation. Mm. I didn't. So I didn't, I was not suicidal, but I um, didn't want to live. Does that make sense? Like because you felt like there was no point. Yeah. It was like, I didn't care if I lived or died. Like if somebody hit me in a car and like, I was going to die tomorrow, I'd be like, whatever. Yeah. I'm not like dying to live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which, but I'm, (laughs) But I wasn't. I was just like, whatever, come what may, whatever happened. So I had no um, intention to die. I just didn't care if I lived or died. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was dark, man. It was a dark. I remember remember that time. (laughs) I remember telling you and like one other friend at the same time. And you did like, you were responsive about it. Um, And I think I was more just telling people so that, especially my really close friends, because... I didn't want you guys to feel like I didn't care about you. Yes. When I was going through something. I feel like I remember you saying it and then starting to think like, oh, this makes sense. Like that I had not, I didn't even think it was like something crazy had happened. It just seemed like, I guess what I probably would have thought as like apathy or like just kind of like, ah, you just seem kind of like down, but also you're a very social person. So I... You still were social, but oh, yeah. it was like the, you could tell like the energy had kind of gone and like even just, it was like words you would use that just, seemed, yeah, the kind of like, eh, it just doesn't matter or like, eh, I just don't, you know, whatever. Just totally. These little things that I'm like, something's off, but I wouldn't yeah. have known. And know, that's how I, that's how I yeah. felt too. I was like, this is not me. Yeah. I could feel that too, that it was totally off. Yeah. But it's just like almost like a switch happened which through like years of therapy and everything I did 
depression doesn't always have a noticeable trigger, but um, oftentimes in your brain, something is happening whether or not you realize it. Yeah. Like some people fall into a depression when they lose a loved one or yeah. a relationship ends and those things are real depression. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you fall into a depression from a buildup of years and years and years and things that your subconscious has dealt with that your consciousness has not dealt with. Yeah, that makes sense. And at that time, that specific depression, my first depression, (laughs) was that. It was the buildup of things over time. Yeah. How did it, what was the process like for you in finding a therapist and then getting sort of the official diagnosis? Like what, how did you feel about all of that? Well, I don't feel that I got I, I don't feel like I went through that um, like rigmarole in yeah. that um, linear way okay. because I kept putting it off. I saw a therapist like once or twice and explained what was going on during that whole 11 months. Mm-hmm. And then I just went to the doctor because I didn't have even the strength to work through the therapy at the time. Mm, that makes sense. It's like I needed the medication to make me more even keel so that I could participate in the therapy. Totally. That um, actually makes so much sense to me. That's how it I was for me. like... Yeah, if it if it take keeps takes you if you're like at a standstill in life, mm-hmm. it's like how do you even begin to have the energy to process these things with somebody? Right. You know, especially like thinking about a therapist and thinking like you got to kind of explain all the stuff and like go through all of it. It seems like it could be a lot for somebody. Yeah. How they're experiencing depression. Yeah. Because like you're you'll be in therapy and like your brain is so chemically imbalanced that you're like working through this stuff and the whole time you're like, but who cares? Like, what does it matter? Nothing matters. Yeah. For me anyway, that again, that's how it presented presents. And um, so I just wasn't at a place until I was on medication to really work through the issues. And you felt like taking taking the medication for you was not even like an like a thought in term like was there any sort of like I only ask because I think when I get to my story part of why I didn't yeah. go that direction is I think I struggle with that idea because of a lot of yeah how we were raised well I did that's why it took yeah. me 11 months yeah yeah I did struggle with it I remember um my ex-husband kind of pushed me towards just getting on medication sooner and I I do wish I wish in a certain way that I had gotten on it sooner um the a misconception about medication with depression is people think it's an upper they call it like a happy pill mm. and it completely is not all it does is it takes you from like the depths of despair to um like a baseline yeah and a side effect of it for me at least too is that not only does it bring you to a baseline I wasn't able to experience high levels of joy either while on medication medication. oh interesting okay it's like it's everything is so even which is way better better than (laughs) than depths of despair Mm -hmm. but you're just kind of sitting at baseline and there's no highs and there's no lows you're just chilling realize that oh yeah and that was my experience on lexapro um but again i do feel like in many ways it saved my life but um your question was not exactly that no, but (laughs) just wanting to know like even I feel like even to say like the ethics of taking medication, oh, yeah. you know, right, right, right. Kind that's of, what it was like. It, I mean, I think it's amazing if it wasn't a struggle. Um, no, it was, though. And I remember talking on the phone to you yeah. like right after I started. Yeah, I went to the doctor and I have such specific memories of things. I have terrible memories in some ways and specific in others. You and I were on the phone and I was walking from my apartment to take my trash to the trash chute. Mm-hmm. And you were like how are you feeling since you decided to take the medication? You weren't talking about how was I feeling physically. You were asking how I was dealing with the idea that I was on medication. Yeah. And I made a comment to you 
that in some ways probably insensitive to an entire population of people. Um, but it's just how I felt at the moment. And it's probably inaccurate as well. But I remember telling you, I almost feel I'm grateful and ashamed is how I felt. I felt like almost like an alcoholic who is shaking and has to take a drink to not mm. shake anymore. Yep. Um, is how I felt. I yeah. remember feeling that. And again, apologies to anyone out there. That was just how I felt in the moment and how yeah, I would have described I, it at the time. I understand that like in all of this, like we're all going to have different experiences. But I think at the end of the day, it's like how you were. Nobody can really tell you how you're no. feeling. You and know? that's how I and felt. It's like, and I remember yeah. saying that on the phone to you. I don't know if you remember I, that. But I, I do remember this conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, I was glad that I was on it, but I ha- it felt private. It felt so private. Yeah. And now I'm like not private about it at all. <laughs> and so it's interesting. Now I have way less judgment for my family members in the past who were not private about it all. Yeah. About it at all. Um, but yeah, I, I struggled with it, with the yeah. idea of taking medication for something like that. It felt... Yeah, I, I just think like, I don't know, and I, not to bring the church thing into it every time, I'm, I'm just saying like, I felt like growing up, you, we didn't, I didn't, you didn't hear mental illness talked about that much in the church I grew up in, but I do feel like there's this feeling or this uh, message that's portrayed that like, Jesus can save you, God yes. can save you from this. I feel like... In this day and age, things have changed. I think there's so much more awareness of, in churches across the board from what I've heard like other people talking about that I, I don't think medication would probably be something that's like shunned upon or, or something. Yeah, shunned. anymore. Yeah. But I think how I grew up feeling or hearing about it is like, man, if you had to get go to that degree, you know, something's really messed up or like why like why couldn't god just have healed you or it's like mm-hmm. it's this sort of thing of like why can't you just fix yourself why do you need to get medi- well, you know right. what are you not doing that requires you to have medication right as well a, and i know. think the idea of um what sin is still in your life that god isn't healing you yeah not why hasn't god healed you but like what are you doing that god hasn't healed you <laughs> totally i think that's a big part of i don't know that just the whole mental illness thing you know, there's, there's sort of like mental illness that you can see like people who are born with disability. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, those things are okay, but I feel like it's also this crossover with science. Like when you bring, you know, the more we learn about our brains and bodies and how science increases, then I think the church, you know, I think to be healthy, in my opinion, if I was going to go to a church at this point is I would need there to be a recognition of, the things that are out there and ways to help people through medication, through doctors that got their degree in these things. And the answer not just be, well, Jesus can heal you, you know, because then I feel like that it creates this shame in then seeking help outside of. Oh, totally. I think that's exactly right. It's like, oh, like you're going to rely on science and not God. Yeah. Or give, give Jesus the opportunity to, I don't know, to heal you. That's just not to, I feel like it's my soapbox without some of this, but it's, yeah, it's just a lot. I don't right. know. Right. But it, meanwhile, if somebody has a broken leg, they have no problem with a doctor like setting your leg. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it's like, I mean, I know today we're not really talking specifically about like, say, therapy and counseling, whatever. But I think that was something that you didn't hear talked about in church. You mean, maybe like come to marriage counseling, which just maybe said, let's make sure you guys are good to get married. But in terms of seeking counseling, seeking like a a professional therapist to process through emotions, I don't think was something that 
came up very much because yeah. it was like, well, Jesus is healer. God is healer. Right. And my background counseling came up quite a bit, but never therapy. That's what I was going to say. Counseling you would hear, but counseling I feel like you could say in a way of like, oh, you were counseled by your pastor. It was like Oh, a, yeah. I would always be like a pastor or somebody yeah, like that. Yeah, like I'm to like, seek counsel. As To me, I think of like to seek counsel might be like you either have a problem that's not like a mental thing like, oh somebody like two teenagers got pregnant in the church and yeah. so they're seeking counsel about how to handle the situation as opposed to like you know i've like i need to work through some stuff yeah and like, get help <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah i don't know what about you though so i you were saying earlier you ha- don't think you've experienced depression outside of like the postpartum i don't know if i have yeah my, i i would say up until maybe even if like a month ago I would say no. I don't know. Maybe there have been times where I may have been depressed that I didn't realize it. Um, but the only time I can really, my only experience, if I kind of get into my like story, is uh, I experienced, um, I guess if you're a new listener, I have two children. Um, I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and... My first time I was pregnant, um, I had a miscarriage, and that's we're definitely gonna do a podcast about talking about all that at some point. But I went through miscarriage, and to me, that was like I mean, it was awful. I was like pretty early in the pregnancy, about 10 weeks, but it was still horrific. And I feel like that experience was I don't remember or recall being depressed, honestly, in that. But what I feel like that started for me was realizing that, like, people at the time, and this would have been 10 years ago, more than that, 11 years ago. um, Wow. Yeah. And people didn't talk about that stuff then, even just a decade ago. Mm -hmm. I think it was starting to be talked about a little bit. We had posted on Facebook, like, that we were pregnant before first trimester was over and then had to kind of be like, and we're not now. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, for some people, they were surprised that we would have shared that. But then it was like, that's just my personality is I'd rather have people know and then it be like a point of commonality for people so that if other people go through it, they can reach out and we can talk about it. Yeah. So I preface all of this to say that like, I feel like there's these things that have happened in my life where I realize like, man... People aren't talking about these hard topics and then I experience it and I'm like, I don't know who to talk to about this. So then, you know, we got pregnant, you know, with Nadia. I I went through all of that fine. And when it was ironic is I so what I'm about to get to is that I experienced postpartum depression with after Beckett. But with Nadia, who was my first kiddo, for the first nine months of Nadia's life, I was at home with her and I didn't have any friends. I hadn't met I mean, sorry. Well, you had me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, as I Ouch. say that, wow, as I said that, that's not what I meant. I'm <laughs> Start over. Start over. That's not what I meant. I was picture. I was meaning, okay, me yeah. back up. No, I follow. Go ahead. When I. <laughs> Get it wow, right. I'm sorry. Get it that's right, Brittany. That's not what I meant. <laughs> when I had Nadia, for the first nine months I was home, like, all of my, the people around me were people who didn't have kids. Right. Or. <laughs> Like, everybody worked or, like, I didn't know anybody with kids. And so I was, like, the first friend that had kids. Yep. But I was at home by myself all the time, like, all day long. But I didn't experience that depression at all. I was, like, I wasn't – I didn't feel unhappy. I don't look back on those. I I feel like it was lonely, but I was also, like, 
I had fun with Nadia. Like, it was great. Um, and then I did meet some mom friends, and that kind of helped change everything. But anyway, so leading into then Beckett, I mean, when you have kids in the beginning, it's exhausting. It's like there's just nothing like those uh, moments in the beginning with infants of like how tired you are and how just like you just don't think you can go anymore and you just have to because you're keeping a child alive. But with Beckett, it wasn't immediate. So like postpartum depression, a lot of times it's mistaken to be for baby blues, which is like a term that uh, people will use right after you have a baby. Yeah. You know, it's just like there's so much going on. Sometimes people will feel like a loss because like now you've, you're not pregnant anymore. It's just like a lot of weird emotion, emotions, hormones, just a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see where I pulled this from, but postpartum depression may be mistaken for baby blues at first, but the signs and symptoms are more intense and last longer. It may eventually interfere with your ability to care for your baby and handle other daily tasks. Symptoms usually develop within the first few weeks after giving birth, but may begin earlier during pregnancy or later up to a year after giving birth. And so in my experience, I didn't experience any of this until I think he was like three or four months old. Yeah. I started just feeling these dark, dark feelings. And I knew I would never like harm him. Postpartum depression can turn into like the most severe kind, which is postpartum psychosis. And like I never had anything like that. Yeah. But it just felt like, what's the point? Why are we here? I I started having those kind of feelings and just also like thoughts of harming him would pop into my head all the time. Yeah. Just like constantly. Like if he was crying or something or yes. anytime. Uh, typically only typically during Typically when a, he was yeah. crying or just felt like I can't do this anymore. And I think leading up to that, it probably looking back was a mixture of maybe depression in general now as I'm saying this out loud. And then that just like kicked it up a notch higher because I think I was unhappy being at home with the kids. Like I was unhappy in a lot of ways that I didn't. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this is just how people feel in this mm-hmm. and it wasn't until ringing around other people who like really enjoyed that or really I mean kids are hard being a caretaker 24 7 is way harder in my, in my opinion than working and then coming home to the kids but that's a, its own topic yeah different um, podcast Brittany different podcast <laughs> but it's a lot and so I reach out to a a person in my church who was a marriage and family therapist but she wasn't really practicing and I I just kind of reached out because I felt like it was hitting a point where I needed to do something. And yeah. I wasn't even really talking to anybody. I don't know if I was. You weren't talking to me about it because I didn't find out until like many, many months later when you were like, when I was so post, you know, had yeah, postpartum depression, I was like, you did? <laughs> well, and that's what I, but the thing is, I think it took me a while. I actually think looking back, I didn't realize what I was experiencing. I was like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, like, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm just curious what, if I should be concerned about this. We talked a couple times about how I was feeling, and she just kept encouraging me to uh, actually go talk to someone. Um, and I just never did. I think there was a part of me that just thought, I mean, she was like, from what I can tell you and everything you're talking about, like, this is what you're experiencing, but you should really go see somebody. Sometimes if it's severe enough, you could be on need medication And just all of that at the time, it was also at the time where, like, Curtis was going through some struggles. On top of that, we had somebody living with us. It was just, it was a lot. There was a lot happening. And and I do, I regret not handling that better. Well, the fact that you even reached out to somebody, though, is huge. (laughs) It it was. It it was, yeah. I mean, I do hear that. I am a problem solver, so that's why the part of me, I think why I didn't seek more professional help 
was because of shame and like I felt like I need to take care of everybody else and yeah. like I'll be fine I'll be fine I'll be fine um and so the solution to that was I went and got a job at Barnes and Noble because yes. I just needed anything Change. that was not the life that I was dealing with at that time yeah but yeah it was a very dark time I, f- I mean for other people that may have experienced postpartum depression it's like there was also this disconnect from even Beckett where it was just kind of like being a mom I don't I don't want to skip the first year or two but like I'm not a big baby person like yeah I don't enjoy I'm not I mean they're very cute and squishy in the beginning but I'm a <laughs> squishy but I'm like I'm a communicator I need like relationship talk to me yeah and so (laughs) it's not until they kind of start to develop these like personalities not that they don't have personalities when they're babies when they start like laughing and just like any connection yeah it was just a struggle and I I I didn't struggle with that with Nadia but with Beckett it was just like yeah and Nadia was an early talker and so by the time you had Beckett too Nadia is communicating yeah and it's like now I have another one and this one is not communicating yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's a lot yeah do you feel like during that time was it the same kind of like hopelessness thing or it just like how did it manifest for you the biggest triggering thing was that I felt like the the harmful thoughts were like yeah happening all the time and then the, yeah, very much hopelessness and just kind of going like, what's the point? It wouldn't matter if I died. And I remember thinking like, we had amazing, fr- we have amazing friends and had amazing friends. And I remember just thinking like, I don't, I don't actually want to, anytime I'd be like, let's hang out. Yeah. In my mind, I'd be like, I don't want to see anybody. Yeah. I don't want to hang out. I know I should hang out. I, just- I would be the same way. Like I would be like, I would want to because, like, I like and love everybody, but, like, I knew that part of me did. The part of me that was existing Mm -hmm. didn't give a shit. Yeah. I didn't care about anything, and it was just, like, whatever. We're here. It's fine. And, I mean, I think something that's great to hear about now, because I've I've talked about this openly with, like, several moms now, is back then, and, and maybe in certain places people were already doing this, but my experience was that this issue of postpartum depression... I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't, it wasn't talked about at my prenatal Mm -hmm. or postnatal visits. Wow. Didn't come up at all. Like I only learned about it from like some of these like baby center apps or I think I even was like Googling stuff and trying to understand what I was thinking and feeling. But now I've talked to many women who have had babies since me because you know the last time I had a baby was almost seven years ago or pregnant was seven years ago. And how, like, that seems to be a much more common thing now where there's, like, these questionnaires and things, like, even before, because you can get this sort of depression while you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, And then people talking about it, asking about it afterwards. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, people still may not talk about it, but I think just an awareness that, like, we should be aware of the things and feelings that we're experiencing. It's Right. Yeah. I have a question for you. This yeah. is kind of dark. Go but like it. I'm kind of harking back to the true crime episode we did. Do you have any feeling like you hear these horrible, terrible, terrible stories about like. Like parents doing stuff to their kids? Yes. And so I wonder, do you have any feeling that like in situations like that, they should get like a temporary insanity kind of defense? I mean, maybe. I, I feel yeah. like I. I mean, at the end of the day, I can't imagine really doing something, but like, you can I understand how people identi- did. I do. I do. Yeah. 
I do. I have these memories of like being in the nursery and like holding him and and I'll be honest both my kids were not like super fussy babies so it was just the normal babies being babies thing. This was not I didn't deal with like a colicky baby or like it, it wasn't like some insane thing. Yeah. But it just I remember holding him and just thinking like when he was crying and I was so tired and all these things like I just want to squeeze you until like you stop crying right and and like or just like a every time there would be a moment where something bad could happen it was just this feeling of which I think a lot of some of this is normal where you know you're like driving on a mountain and you're like all it would take is me just to keep driving straight and just go off or do you ever think those thoughts have I? Yeah. Of course I have. But it's like... I always... Well, I don't like being in the um, HOV lane because it's right next to that wall. Oh. Because I feel like I always think that. Like you're going to just run into... <laughs> yes. Oh, that I'm like, at least I'm like, oh, it's a wall. But then like on the... Yeah. I don't know. So some of these thoughts, I'm like, everybody thinks these. It's like yeah. final destination sort of thoughts. Oh, yeah. But it just... It was happening so much that... And I kept telling myself, I would never do anything. I would never do anything. But... Like, while you're veering towards the edge of the mountain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking about no, that. No, I, like, I think about that. These people, like, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily evil. It's like, this is, de- depression is an illness. Yeah. You know? And I think that what you described, too, with the fact that, you know, with Nadia, when you had her, it was your first kids second pregnancy at home alone you know loneliness was definitely a part of things but the fact that um when Beckett came along and you experienced down the line postpartum depression I think that's even more of evidence that it is an illness yeah and it's not just like situational or apathy Mm. or like any of these things it's like you had every reason the first time around you know, when Beckett came along, you had way more mom friends and like that type oh, of support totally. in your life. I did. Yeah, exactly. Did. So that's what I mean. It's just that um, it's just, I think, even more evidence that it's such. Yeah, it really is an illness. I think that's yeah, I think that's a great point because it's I was set up in a way that had people surrounding me that yeah, you're like I, set up for success. Yeah, I was. I was with people, you know, and I think some of it looking back, it's like I wasn't admitting to myself how unhappy I was in other things just in terms of. Like, I should have, I, for my mental health, should have gone back to work pretty much sooner than I did. And I went back, like, the kids were four and two, so it's like, I didn't stay home long, crazy long, but to other people, they went back immediately. And I think for me, I just, it's part of my personality. I do better, like, interacting with adults and, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it's like, healthy parents and minds equal healthy kids and healthy family life and if I wasn't taking care of myself which I wasn't then it's like hard to create a yeah it's like oh if mom's home with them all day long but I'm super uh depressed and upset like I don't know that that's the best situation for them to be in right and speaking of taking care of yourself what an element that is so when I was the first bout of depression I experienced I didn't exercise or like anything like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a gym in my building. I would go like once a month, things like that. I had no structure um, when it came to physical movement. And depression on many levels is a physical illness. Mm. It is physical. And I was on medication, started exercising a ton. And um, that exercise 
is what eventually got me off of Lexapro oh, yeah. um, was I weaned off of it. But the only way I was able to do it was because I was exercising like crazy. I was getting the dopamine and serotonin uptake that exercise produces. And mm-hmm. that is scientific that yeah. it does that. That's why lots of times when people experience an injury where they cannot exercise and they were before, that's why lots of times they actually fall into depression and it's a mm. real depression. That makes sense. Yeah. I never thought about that Actually, like athletes and things like that and, um, you know, skiers and like all these people who typically are moving all the time, if they injure themselves, they often fall into an actual physical depression. Yeah. And it's mental illness, but it, it's a, a physical mental thing. Um, it happened to me a year and a half ago when I had a really bad back injury, coccyx injury, and um, I didn't work out for 11 weeks. Yeah. And oh my God. And then um, at that time I was not on medication, but I went back on medication. I went back on Prozac, something different. You think for- that's what triggered you going back and onto medication? Uh, well, actually, you know what? Let me think of the timeline. I think I had just gone into Prozac a few months before, but then I also had to stop exercising when I injured myself. Okay. So that was helping me experience joy. Exercising was. But then when I couldn't anymore, I was just at baseline again mm. because I was on Prozac. Yeah. And then I couldn't get my prescription refilled for some reason. I wasn't seeing the doctor or something, and I just went off fit cold turkey. Guys, never, ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> what a mistake. Mm. Because it was like how you were saying with postpartum, it doesn't always start right away. I wasn't instantly not okay. It was like three or four months later and I experienced rage for the first time in my life. Mm. And I know it's because my brain was so screwed up from lack of exercise. My medication was gone. Is it terrible to say that when you said that, I was like... You understand when I like the rage rage. thing. Yeah, I know that's a total side thing. But like I know in terms of life, like Curtis is a very even keeled person. I've rarely seen him like very upset and I am, I can, I'll be like, fine, 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 fine. And then it's like, I'll get a little rage and it's like, I need to physically, which yeah. is also what scared me with when I felt that with the kids is yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not, I, I am that kind of person that would want to like punch a wall or yeah. punch. Do you remember yeah. when, uh, I don't remember how old Beck it was, but I remember you were ragey and I bought you a damn it doll. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about that, that too. Totally during that time. But I remember you kept saying things like, I want to punch a wall. I want to break something. So looking back, like, uh, yeah, oh, I was like and, probably expressing it, but didn't realize. But we weren't calling it depression. No. You know, but it was. Oh, I was very ragey. I mean, I, I can be ragey in general, but. Yeah, it felt yeah. very they make, ragey. They make Donald Trump damn it dolls now, so you can like beat <laughs> the crap of out of Donald Trump. Hilarious. I forgot about the damn it doll. That I mean, know. That was like <laughs> such. A, that was like the gesture that I was like, "You see me? You yeah. hear me?" The problem with those things, they're not big enough. No, they're not big enough. But it, it, it even so has a funny cute. little poem on it. Like when you're feeling kind of ragey, blah blah yeah. blah 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 blah, and you're supposed to hit it and punch it and swing it and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, but it's too small. It needs to be way bigger. It needs to be way bigger. It needs to be like my size damn it doll. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. No, well, I was, I interrupted you because I was like, oh, I mean, it's terrible to be like, so you experience rage. So oh, now yeah. you understand me. It's like a selfish thing to say, but it was like, no, I, I do I, now. I remember it's, telling you for, yeah. and you're like, I don't really experience that. And, and same as with, with depression. I didn't yeah. experience, you don't understand it until you experience yeah. it. So when I finally experienced depression. I'm like, okay, I get you guys finally experience rage. Okay. I get you, Brittany, <laughs> you know, but I have now, yeah. I probably like, I would say in the last year experienced it like three different times. Where I was just like out of my way. Yeah. It's like you're seeing red and it's and it makes me mad that like I think feel like part of my genetics or however I was made was like predisposed to be that way. And it's I feel like I have to work I have to work very hard at not 
being that way. Yeah, yeah. Or handling it the right way. I mean, both of us are sitting here not mental health experts, although we've experienced mental health issues. Um, So if you are, if you feel like you're maybe experiencing something that you relate to something we've been talking about, definitely go talk to someone, a professional seek help, all those things. Oh, yeah. Um, But something I kind of, like, in wrapping up this discussion, you know, if you're aware of people around you who may be struggling with depression, whether you suspect it or they share it with you, um, we kind of wanted to leave you with some things to think about with, like, how you could help somebody around you or even just educating yourself more about depression. There's an article we can link to where basically it talks about understanding depression and a friend or family member. But number one is, like, depression is a serious condition. So I think something, and I'm very guilty of this, and until I experienced it, and until I kind of walked through watching you deal with it, I really had no experience with it. But um, just talking about being aware that, like, depression drains a person's energy and their motivation, and that this whole idea of, like, snap out of it, like, that's not a thing. Oh, my gosh, no. Like, it's an actual mental illness. It's, like, it's invisible. You can't see it, and that's the part that's hard is... Yeah. You know, it's... If somebody broke their arm or if somebody is got burned or so, something that is, is visible, that's easier to have empathy for them. Absolutely. And sympathize. And the symptoms of depression are not personal. Um... I think it'd be easy if looking back for probably both of us to maybe think like, oh, she doesn't want to hang out with me or maybe doesn't seem into hanging out or I don't know, fill in the blank and just realizing that like it's not about you in that moment. It's about the other person and what they're experiencing and kind of just giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like you don't know what's going on in their mind and their heart and no I think that's huge and I think a a big thing is too once you do know like because sometimes somebody's going through depression and they don't know I know that I'm an exception to the rule right almost instantly within a couple of weeks was like I think I'm experiencing depression yeah um that's not the norm some people have no idea but they think that it's just like you know another it's a low it's apathy it's you know just a season all these things hopefully it will just be a season but sometimes it might not be a season if you don't get help yeah and I think that, um, you know, if they haven't figured it out themselves, I do think that you should be careful because for one, this blows my mind and they're wrong, but not everybody believes in depression. Yeah, that's crazy. And some people experiencing it, uh, some people experiencing it don't believe in it themselves. Yeah. So it can be, you know, I think it's important check in with the people you love whether they seem fine or they don't, especially if they don't. Yeah. But don't be, like you were saying, don't take it personally. Yeah. If you're, if it, there's not a big response, but just that check-in can go such yeah. a long way. And like, you can't, you can't fix it. You no. know, like, I think the problem solver in me, now looking back, thinking about being there around you, I, it, it was like, I wasn't even comparing the two of what I had kind of gone through myself as well. And my gut is to want to figure out how we fix this. Oh, yeah. And so I have. I remember to having to, like, physically tell myself in my mind, like, don't say this. And I probably still said insensitive things because I have a habit of saying, <laughs> being blunt or, or not saying the, the right thing at the right moment. But think about your questions that you're asking. Thinking about how that could be perceived. People who are depressed a lot of times may seem, like, super unmotivated or, like, yeah. there's these sort of 
terrible terms to that get associated and you just don't understand how debilitating it is until you go through it it sucks because you like even to yourself but looking at someone else who's depressed you can be like they're lazy yeah they're they're so lazy they won't do anything they won't take the next step they won't blah 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 when you're in it what what's the point of the next step there is no next step like there's only this moment right now and this moment right now is terrible yeah so I think that's a really really important thing that you pointed out and there was one other article I will also link to, but it just like this one line stood out to me where the article was titled How to Talk to Someone About Depression. Mm, that's good. Um, <laughs> and like this says, I'm just going to read this little bit of it, but it says, sometimes it is hard to know what to say when speaking to someone about depression. You might fear that if you bring it up, your, if you bring up your worries, the person will get angry, feel insulted, or ignore your concerns. You may be unsure what the question it's hard to ask or how to be supportive. And it says, if you don't know where to start, the following suggestion may help. Being a compassionate listener is much more important than giving advice. Like that specific line that yeah. being a compassionate listener is much more important than giving advice. Like I'm preaching to myself here in the problem solver in me. We're like, well, let's try this and let's do that. And it's like in that moment, most people probably just need to be listen to and heard and that doesn't that means just staying quiet and listening you know I think something else too is if somebody does come to you to talk to you about something like this absolutely like giving advice is not the most important thing but taking it seriously is yes so um you know I had a friend who came to me after I had experienced depression and they were open with me about it because I had Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for that but you know after the fact I knew I couldn't fix it for them or anything like that but I was able to tell them these are the tools I utilized Mm -hmm. um and that is giving advice obviously but it's more about what I did not what you should do totally this is what I did this is what helped me and then just the check-in yeah just you know it's been a month it's been whatever two weeks it's been six weeks I just how are you like do you need a sounding board I'm here how are you feeling how are you doing totally um I think that that is so useful and if you don't follow up with somebody and don't check in on somebody that's the only place where I'm like I'm not judging you (laughs) yeah I'm guilty of it too we forget sometimes and I'm thinking of someone right this second where I'm like I need to check in on her yeah but um just that is the one thing you can do to help is show up for somebody yeah and just ask them what they need yeah totally especially if they've said something to you like I think it's easy to think like oh I don't want to I don't want to bug or push or like offend but you don't have to ask like uh like personal questions you can just be like hey I'm here I'm check I like thinking of you remember we talked about I've thought about it too and just want you to know I'm here totally and lots of times somebody might pipe up then yeah so you know with all the topics that we have talked about so far um these are big broad topics and I feel like when I'm go back and listen to the episodes we've done every time we walk away going man there was so much more we could talk about there always is (laughs) yeah so most of the things that we start off talking about on this podcast it's kind of giving our story about it and really just trying to open up the conversation and letting you know you're not alone and if you Mm want to talk to us about it shoot us a message if you have any questions shoot us a message yeah and we can expound too like yeah there you know we can always circle back to things too totally which I think we do all the time in our actual life yes (laughs) so it's not like we can never talk about depression again no no I'm sure we will yeah all that said so what we're gonna do is do a little top three a little pop culture for you guys yeah baby lighten the mood (laughs) let's lighten it right up (laughs) And I'm going to just, we got to start at the top with 
the, you know, we haven't even talked about The Bachelor for weeks and weeks and weeks now. You're dying to know our opinion on Mr. Peter. Um, what, are you caught up? Where are you at? I'm a little bit behind, okay. but I just have to point out that I love that you called him Mr. Peter, because I wonder if Peter calls his Peter Mr. Peter. <laughs> It felt weird saying Mr. Peter, and then I was like, I don't know what to call you. If I was Peter, I would call my Peter Mr. Peter, <laughs> no doubt. I'm a little behind. I think this is like maybe the most immature group I've ever seen in my life. It feels that way. It's like, it's dramatic, but not because it's just like, oh my God. And I, yeah. I don't, I'm like, is this because we're getting older? And I'm just like, why can't you pick a villain? Why are there like five villains? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of like that though, that like, That's so true. the whole McKenna and Tammy thing going back and forth. Yeah. For one, I felt like it exploded kind of out of nowhere. But that's what I mean is I feel like yeah. there's not that there build, was the build Yeah. Yes. There was not just the like, build. oh, tonight this person's in trouble. And yeah. Like. But the best okay. thing I ever heard, and this I think is a few episodes back, but the best thing I ever heard was when McKenna was like, you are nothing. You are nothing to me. And Tammy goes, I am everything. Oh, yes. I yes. <laughs> That is one is of I the best of lines you, of life. I feel like when I thought I thought of you when I heard that, because I'm like, I could just see you loving this. Line. I loved like- it. And not in a way that like, I'm like, yeah, you are everything. No, no. Yes. more just like what that is the most ridiculous <laughs> Thing. I am everything. I am every like okay, Cersei. Oh yeah. That's how I felt. <laughs> like, what are you? Like Queen? Yeah. I, it was hysterical. I loved it. And poor McKenna. I agree with so many of the things that she said that she's like Is McKenna am, which one is was she the maid? No. Or have you not Oh, seen she was that? the maid. Okay, okay. She was the maid. Yeah, the blonde that with the dark McKenna. eyebrows, okay. flat eyebrows. Yep. She's just like, I am beautiful and I am strong and I am all these things. And I'm like, everything you're saying is an inspirational like quote on like a feed in Instagram. <laughs> like love the champagne diet. But I'm like, cool. The champagne. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I'm like, you're just regurgitating without stepping into that and really meaning it because you can't stop yourself from retaliating. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, you've been told all your life that you're the best and... I, I don't, I'm not saying that's the worst thing in the world, but there, here's the ramifications of that. Of going, yeah. Like, I think there's, I'm positive, I'm glad she feels that way. And I, she should it, but the, you, you can feel that way without having to talk about it and just be that way. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But yeah. it also is the more you say something, the truer it feels to you too. So maybe yeah. that's what she's working with. And to be fair, she's 22, yeah. but I am here for it. Yeah. I am enjoying, <laughs> I mean, it's done now, but I was loving yeah. it. <laughs> Peter, though, like, I'm convinced, I don't, I have, I'm spoiler free, but I am convinced that, like, either he picks nobody, Uh I just, I don't know, there's nobody that's really sticking out to me, there's, obviously he has some favorites at this point, but I think he's still messed up from Hannah B. Last season, Um, yeah. Maybe, like, he picks no one and then we see Like, I just can't stop thinking about Hannah Yeah, like, I'm waiting, I don't know. I'm enjoying it, though. I do feel like it's an immature season. Even Peter, like, has made mistakes during this yes. season, and that's been a joy to watch. Yeah, like, that <laughs> whole... I, I'm, I also... This tells you how uninvested... I'm invested, but, like, I can't remember anybody's name because I'm just, like... Yeah. Like, who, who are you excited about today? I, I don't know. But yeah. the girl that he... Uh, sent home and brought sent, back? Yes. Alea. That Oh, Alea, yes. It was just, like, dude... Like, yeah. come on. And, and I'm then sure the producer sending, being like, yeah. please go give her the rose. But I'm like, just don't do that. Like, I know. And then sending her home anyway. Oh, my God. Like, it was terrible. very wishy. Flip flopper. Yeah. Don't be a politician, Peter. No. Do you know about this? Yeah. The How cut. he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, He said that, like, a puma went by. <laughs> the cut and... on his head, like, 
I had read about or heard about that before going into yep. the season, but then the little like security cam footage. Hilarious. <laughs> it was I great. wish it was from the other angle though, because it was from his back. Yeah. Yeah. But man. Well, and they they were like, Peter is the clumsiest bachelor we've ever had. And I'm like, he's also a pilot. I know. I don't want to ever be on your flights, brah. No, <laughs> no thank you. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a wild ride. It has How many been. more weeks do we have? Three uh, or four? It must only be three or four because we're down to the final four. Wow. So, which I'm not there yet. Yeah. So I, the I final four behind. was this last week. Okay. Tell me nothing. Like final go watch four it. is in like, we haven't seen the hometowns, but he yes. picked. Yeah. But he, they're coming. Yes. Okay, cool. Next week. Oh, impossible. He's not in love with anyone. That's what I'm saying is I'm like, how are we already here yet? Yeah. Here. And then it's. Don't worry. He's not. No. <laughs> no. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's our two cents that you were dying to hear. Um, so that was number one. Number two, um, a little more serious, but, but pertains to obviously what we've been talking about today is there was a commercial, um, not about depression, but about postpartum that was supposed to air during the time that the Oscars were aired. This ad was put out by, um, Frida Mom, and it was an ad that, was rejected by ABC slash the Oscars from airing during the award show. They say in their description of the the video on YouTube that it's not violent, political, sexual in nature, our ad's not religious or lewd, does not portray guns or ammunition. Basically, it's just a new mom home with her baby and her new body. Well, I first, I cannot speak to this before yeah. you. You are a mom and yeah. you've been through this period of time in life. Mm-hmm. And I haven't. We we have to, before you continue, if you have not watched this, which I had not until just this moment, you have to go to the description and watch this video. Yeah. Um, We'll link to it. Yeah. But after that, come back and we'll continue discussing. But um, what are your thoughts on it as somebody who is had two children and gone through this time in life. Yeah, I think it's powerful. I think yeah. it's very powerful. Um, it's just, you don't see, I think ads have gotten better and better with trying to make things a little more real and like meaningful, but I don't know. I found it, it's so short. It's only a minute long and it's just so powerful. Um, it, you mean, you feel, I feel like as a mom having gone through that, like you, I can like immediately put myself in her shoes and, know that feeling and I wasn't sure where it was going because I didn't I've never heard of freedom mom before I think I think what's frustrating is for something like that to get pulled it's like people don't want to see the reality of what happens after birth like this is the reality that like yeah millions billions of moms faced um and it's just like a way to help it's like what so like a tampon commercial maybe that would be fine although it said something about during Oscars that those are banned subjects to talk about but it I don't know I thought it was great well it is incredibly well done it is so great but you I think said it perfectly you said it so short it feels like a short it feels like a short Mm, film yeah it's so well done and the thing I think and I'm gonna play absolute devil's advocate here I think when you can you pick a movie or a short or something like that to watch you get to pick the content that you're gonna Mm -hmm. consume sure and with an ad you don't so much get to pick it yeah you can turn it off but you may already have been you know you may have already been engaged in it Mm -hmm. and there is nothing lewd or bad or anything about it but it is there's something heavy about it for sure for sure yeah but that is also real and there's nothing bad or inappropriate or anything like that about it it just I'm not a mom I'm not a male either but I'm a female who has no children I'm like oh my god I'm like uh having heart palpitations like 
for thinking about that. that. <laughs> well, it's just the re- I I hear that. I think my argument of so like I think on the one hand you could argue well it's the Oscars like they're trying to play specific ads that whatever go along with the theme or how what, yeah. however they're planning out the night. And I feel like it's ironic to me that of any event is go- if any event is going to show that kind of or like pick the commercials that they're going to play. Mm-hmm. The Oscars are literally giving awards for people making stories. They're giving yeah. awards for people making heavy, heavy stories. That's true. About all kinds of shit. Yeah. Like historical stuff, funny stuff. It's all over the place. Yeah. And maybe in, on the one hand, it's like dreary because it is an award ceremony. And I understand that. And it's like a celebratory award ceremony. Sure. But you're right. It but is it's like, an amazing story they just showed. Yeah. Like I can understand them not wanting to show that during like the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it is appropriate. I think like what what is deemed appropriate for that sort of situation. I think of anything, it would be amazing to see something like that given the fact that it was it's an award ceremony about stories and people playing other that's people's so stories true. that's so true but well who's making those decisions is it the academy is it the network it has to be the network it's got to be the network it's got to yeah. be the network so whatever the regulations are for that award ceremony it sounds like that is applying to that ceremony and not the fcc it doesn't yeah. sound like that had anything to do with fcc it was like no it must have been specific to that yeah programming. because i feel like the fact that they give all that description at the top about yeah. it not being violent or political and it does say feminine hygiene and hemorrhoid relief are also banned subjects so i'm i'm wondering if that's like for the specific I, i'm thinking it's probably the event yeah it must be the event and i don't no know way they... but that's and not like, an fcc I, thing yeah and i yeah. guess like if that really is has been a rule then i can understand why because it is like feminine hygiene um but i think just because there was a rule one time doesn't mean and also like when i think of like a feminine hygiene ad i'm thinking of these like and i don't mean this in any bad way playtex but these like super like energetic playtex commercials always where like, it's like a girl running and playing running tennis and, and wearing like, all white exactly and her period is blue yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like in what world yeah it's ridiculous so, so I, I appreciate it on a lot of levels, but I do understand how it would give pause to an otherwise celebratory event I where you're that. like, oh, yeah, like it definitely is like I have a big problem in my life with phantom pains mm. where when I see somebody who's hurting like that, like I start where you're like okay. hurting in that region. I'm like, oh, my God, like everything hurts. And so I can understand I'm having like a physical visceral reaction to something. Mm. So I can understand not wanting to go that far. But as far as well done, check inappropriate no check because it's appropriate beautiful check real check like all those things however like do i think it i think it's a really great internet ad yeah i don't know i don't know No, i I hear that i'm i'm a little torn about it but also because it got pulled it's gotten i mean oh yeah look on youtube it's got 3.39 million views in the last few days it's the best thing that could have happened to this brand that we've never heard of is to have been pulled from the oscars so so that's just a marketing standpoint but yay for them it's a beautiful piece (laughs) yeah let's put it on your instagram feed i'm sure you have (laughs) yeah i think it's great yeah um that's a little bit of a toughie it is women everywhere are gonna hate me it's no i but i think it's a good point i i i was torn about it i was torn about it you were torn about it she was torn about it (laughs) she was torn up about it that's my point is i'm having phantom pains yeah (laughs) 
Oh, man. Well, so, you know, we talk about Bachelor, <laughs> then we're going to talk about something painful, and then we're going to end on a light note. Uh, the last top three, this is this actually happened several weeks ago, and I meant to talk about it in one of the marriage ones, and then we just didn't do a top three. So James Corden is a late night, late night host who does a very popular series um, called Carpool Karaoke. I mean, everyone under the sun has been in his car where basically what they do is they drive, drive around L.A. and they sing along to the songs of whoever is in the car. So Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, I mean, just you name it and they've probably been in his car. And it's very entertaining. Um, if you've never heard of it, you should definitely just go check out one of them. He did this very long one with Kanye that was fascinating. Oh, was, I don't know if I've seen that one. That would have probably been a better thing to do. Oh, well, no, I'm going to watch that. Let's talk about them all. It's on a, it happens on a plane Ooh. with Kanye's choir. It's very long. It sounds great. So there's a bonus little one for you. Check it out. Yes. But basically, uh, the article, I'm telling you all of this, but the, the article, I'm going to pull it up. Basically, James Corden was seen being towed while filming carpool karaoke, and fans are very upset. Um, which I find, like, I, I find it slightly amusing because... Right, and to explain <laughs> when you say towed, like, he wasn't actually driving, somebody was pulling the car in front of him, and he was pretending to drive. Yes. Right, not like his car got towed Sorry. in the middle of carpool karaoke. Yes, <laughs> I read the headline, but that's, yes, you explained it much better. Yeah. So basically, he was um, actually filming with Justin Bieber in the car, and somebody put it on Twitter, and their the Twitter, like, it just exploded, where it, and he said, saw James Corden and Justin Bieber filming carpool karaoke, and this is why I have trust issues. He <laughs> isn't even driving. Whoever is the network exec or somebody who does the carpool karaoke, they came out and said of the dozens of the series that he's done with different uh, musicians, it's only like three or four of these where this has happened. Yeah. And it's only because they're going to go do some kind of stunt or something different where like it's unsafe for him to be driving while they're doing whatever they're doing in the car. Right. Or something funny with the car yeah but apparently all the other ones he really does drive he does and then later on um james corden had basically talked about it on his late night show he basically had to address what had happened because it went viral he said i'm sure many of you have heard i recently became the victim of a scandal in the media and there have been some very very serious allegations made against me um then he played the clip on the show and then he explained that he always drives except if he's doing something unsafe like changing costumes or a dance routine and then he said in Bieber's case it was a safety issue uh, where Corden's team thought it was best to tow the car because frankly I just kept getting lost in his eyes and so, <laughs> so um they're very puppy dog like you know anyways it was just a funny thing because part of me is like I also I've watched 90% of what he's put out. Yeah. And I did assume that he was driving, but then when I saw the whole thing explode, I was like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, right. Have you, we make movies. This is, yeah. Welcome to Hollywood, like, motherfuckers. Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from us? I know. So, like, I told, I remember telling Curtis about this and he was like, I'm sure he does this on all of them. And I was like, no, no, no. I think he does drive. I think he does drive. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great to hear him come out and say that, but it was just a funny, no, it is funny. It's like that behind the scenes thing that like everybody um, 
does and doesn't want to see. It's yeah. like it's like learning. It's like um when you find out how a magician does their magic trick. Yeah. And it takes away that magic or of it like all. You find out there's no Santa Claus. Well, we'll have to talk about that another date because I never believed in Santa Claus, Brittany. Oh, yes, yes. It's a sore wound. Thanks for poking it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but it is that thing. It's like you don't want to know the behind the scenes. And then yeah. when you do, you feel like vindicated somehow. But. Yeah. Well, then I'd be so curious if like the person who put this out and it went viral, if they were like a tourist or something, which is L.A., there's going to be a million people who don't live here. Um, because I do think if it was like someone who lives here and like, I mean, in Burbank, it's something I love about the city is like, I, I'd say once every couple weeks I'm driving down one of the roads to on my way home to pick up the kids from after school care. And there's like some part of the road is blocked off or there's like yep 1940s cars or just like something fun. And you're like, Oh, they're filming or, Oh, you just get used to seeing that stuff, which is amazing. Yeah. But I just feel like if I saw it, I'd be like, ah, that makes sense. Totally. But I also think, I think, oh, that makes sense. But also if, if, if it was me, I think I would also like want to come up with the perfect like caption or tweet to go with it too. Yeah. So yeah. I think you could be local and still say that's, something like that. That's totally true. Um, I don't know. Who we knows like, if they uh, were there. It's kind of disappointing, but. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys let me down. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, I think it it's fun. It is fun. That was a really good one because I had not heard about that. <laughs> and I too, James Corden, would get lost in Justin Bieber's eyes. Yeah, it they're, makes sense. They're just, they're big and brown <laughs> and round. They're yummy, as Justin Bieber would say. <laughs> On that topic, what a terrible song and even worse music video. I haven't seen the music video. Also, That's how I heard the song the first title. time. Like, I just, I mean, it just sounds like something 50 Cent's going to sing. Yeah. Like, lollipop and then yummy. And It like. is horrifying. It's so bad. And yet... Every time I hear it, the less bad it is. Oh, really? That yeah. that sounds about right. That, yeah, it's par for the course for sure. Um, which brings me back to golf, which brings us back to the 18th hole, which brings us back to the number nine. Yes. And this was episode nine. This is a good time. This was good. I got to go watch this carpool karaoke now. <laughs> and the Kanye one. Yeah, I love the it. The Kanye one, guys, got to check that out. It's it's very interesting. It's fascinating. And they're super yeah. talented. But it, it's a... Yeah, let's, like go, when, let's get when into Kanye Kanye's found church. Jesus. That should definitely be its whole, just its own top one. What the hell is up with Kanye finding Jesus? Yeah, maybe maybe stay tuned. We might be doing one of those uh, coming up here soon. Yeah, or did Jesus find him? These are the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right, we'll see you guys next week. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Brittany. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.